Welcome to Megan's Bookish Life, a podcast where literary meets lifestyle. Hi, Angie. Thank you for coming to Megan's Bookish Life. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm super excited about this, and we'll get into, like, how we semi-know each other. Like, we're still, like, internet strangers, but we're also kind of not. Yeah, we're we're making that bridge in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. But this podcast, I feel like, is super interesting for me because I know nothing about the dance world, and I want you to teach me everything. Do you want to be called a dancer? What, What is your preferred, like career name I yeah dancer is definitely the preferred title but like as I'm branching more into my professional career like performer artist is like where I feel like I'm gonna end up eventually but dancer is absolutely fine okay so artist we love that so tell me about your background of dance did you grow up knowing you want to be a dancer So it was one of those funny things where I was like an extremely hyper energetic kid. And my mom just had this little girl who would perform the soundtrack of the Moulin Rouge in our family room fairly often. And she's like, okay, so this kid, she likes music. She loves the drama. What do I do with her? I was in gymnastics at the time. Lo and behold, I got a little too confident and broke my hand in gymnastics she was like, what do I do with her? She has all this energy. We can't get her to sit still. She's got a cast on her arm. Like we have the full summer. What are we going to do? Um, and she ended up putting me in a dance class and that was at age seven. And within like two years, I went from taking like, you know, a class to being like a full dance competition kid, like multiple dances, like the full, the full gear. So from a young age, that was, it was predestined. And as I got older, of course, there's like the Oh, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a doctor. You know, like I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure, like if dancer was even a professional option for me. I don't know. Through high school and all of that, it just kind of ended up being the one and the only thing I knew I couldn't live without. You know, I knew I could do a tons of things with my lights if I wanted to, but dance was the one thing I couldn't let go of. The one thing I knew if I wasn't doing, I would regret it or I would, I just wouldn't be as happy without it. I guess. As a kid, if you had told me I was going to be a dancer when I grew up, I would have been like, that's silly. But like, as an adult now, it's like I couldn't, I couldn't have seen myself doing anything else. I went to college for it. I have a BFA degree in it. I'm really, really one of those people that's like, that is my life. It is my whole life. It's always been my life. You know, I'm a multifaceted person, but, you know, dance has been it for me. Yeah. So I feel, okay, this is off topic, but kind of on topic. Can you sing? Um, so <laughs> I, as a kid, um, I took choir in middle school, but then when I got into high school and like into college, I had to have study hall. I had to, singing wasn't like, you know, an extracurricular anymore. And thinking about a dance career, my dance teacher used to like warn us and be like, well, you're going to have to be able to sing. You're going to be able to need to do that. And we would just look at her and be like, like we're we're never gonna have to do that like that's weird like I don't know it became this like weird taboo subject pretty quickly into my professional career it became very apparent how true that was if I had gone a more concert route with my career singing would not be important at all but I have very much 
just kind of really hung straight into that like commercial theater route in that part of the dance world you definitely need to be able to carry a tune and with my career goals at the current level that they are I definitely need to be able to sing so I actually just started voice lessons about a year ago so officially <laughs> okay so you are a triple threat sing dance act she tries yeah she tries yeah we're here we're loving it oh my god that's so cool so we're gonna go back to your college I'm not being weird I I researched because I researched everything you you did your work I appreciate it I think my homework I did it exactly exactly. so right out of college you booked a career at a cruise line yeah it's super popular I'm interested in your audition process for that like what happened so with Cruise lines, they're generally just like massive cattle calls. Like all the big cruise lines that you like hear about, like Norwegian, uh, Holland, Royal, Princess, like all those really big cruise lines, they just have like massive cattle call auditions where they make a listing. They're like, hey, at this building, at this time, we're looking for, in general, just like female dancers. You show up, there can be 50 people, 200 people, 1,000 you never really know what you're going to meet when you get to these things. My senior year of college, I knew I wanted to book a cruise ship for a whole bunch of different reasons, but that was the goal out of college. I was like, that's the thing I can at least gear myself to and anchor myself to. And it was like a tangible physical goal, uh, which was really necessary out of college because you just feel so directionless, you know? I feel that. (laughs) Right, right. So I was like, okay, I can do this. I can manage this. And so I, I went to the call. They were... I would say a couple hundred people there. And the process is like, basically you get split up into groups as it, as you would assume. Um, and there's generally like a cut, uh, like an audition and then a cut, audition and then a cut. And they kind of just dwindle you down. The first round of cruise ship auditions generally tends to be a technical, like a ballet based audition, just so they can see like in general, do you have training? Can you even do the things necessary? So that's the first cut, which I'm, yeah, I made it through. And then it starts to get more stylized. So then they start throwing um, tricks at you, more stylized elements, you know, bigger jumps, bigger requirements than just the general base level. And they kind of dwindle it down from there until they have a handful of dancers to which they basically, from what I understand, add to like their database of, hey, we found this group that you can choose from when casting your next ship. Even when you go to these auditions, and even if you make it to the end, you might still not get cast onto a cruise ship. Um, at the time, uh, when I graduated college, I made it to the end of a Norwegian audition for Norwegian cruise ships, and I made it to the end of a Royal Caribbean audition. And those are two separate, you know, auditions and everything that I had to attend. And I felt good about myself, and I was like, okay, well, at least I made it onto the hiring list. I never ended up hearing back from Norwegian. I know, I never... Uh, Norwegian, that's rude. <laughs> And then Royal Caribbean got back to me, I think it was like two months later, and I received the offer for the ship that I got put on. So that's kind of how that worked out. And it's this really scary, you know, close your eyes and hope and wish that they pick you and you're the person they're looking for and this one, you know, cast. That's that's how it tends to work with uh, cruise ships. I feel like it's kind of like less dramatic retelling of The Bachelorette. Or they're they're just like, do you get a rose after this cut? Yeah. Literally. And you're just standing there, like, biggest smile on your face, like, pick me, pick me. I'm worth it. 
Right. Literally, you're literally, you're just like, like me, choose me, love me. Like, yeah. I want to be the one. Yeah, I was like, I want it all. How long did you perform on the cruise ship? So my contract was eight months long. So I spent a total of six months straight on the ship. And the rehearsal process was six weeks, I believe. So we spent six weeks on land um, learning the shows we were going to perform. And then they flew us to Europe and we got on the ship and we didn't get off for six months. (laughs) Okay, Ariel, calm down. I know, right? I know. (laughs) A literal just like mermaid at sea. The pandemic hits and dances were halted. As a performer, how did that affect you? For me personally, I'm somebody who I really love, like I said earlier, I love tangible goals. I love realistic things that I can like take little steps to, to try and like at least get to this feasible dream of mine, right? So in 2020, I was supposed to go to Europe for a little mini tour with the company I was performing with at the time. And uh, I was living in Utah. I called 2020 originally the year of auditions. That's what I was telling myself. I was like, okay, I'm going to get back from Europe. I'm going to move back to Chicago and I'm going to buckle down and do the hard thing, which is, you know, taking a step away from the secure, stable company I was performing with and start doing the big, scary things, you know, going for the big auditions, you know, not having a stable job, not having anything lined up for the future and just going for it. You know, it was the year of auditions. I was going to do the big, scary thing. The razzle dazzle. Right. And then the pandemic hit and I didn't go to Europe and a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened in Utah and I had to come back to Illinois as many people were just trying to figure out at the time. And the year of auditions suddenly was like the year of no auditions. (laughs) Like many artists, I'm incredibly empathetic. I struggle with anxiety. You know, unfortunately, I'm one of those people that like can dip very easily into depression if I'm not careful. I'm also introverted, which made it kind of difficult because I was comfortable being at home with my family, just the four of us. And it made it very easy for me to kind of just like slide into this comfortability of this is just the way it is now. And ironically, without movement every day, without that connection of seeing people every day, all these things that I was like, I'm introverted. I don't need, I'm comfortable without very quickly turned into into this very real kind of panic of like, what's next? What, What am I doing now? I can handle a pandemic that's somehow something I can understand and respect and deal with. But the career version, the career side of it, it was gutting. It was just one of those things where every plan I had, every dream I I had in my head that I logistically was like, okay, like if I do these steps and I do these things I can get to suddenly felt so out of reach. As I'm sure all of us kind of saw with the pandemic, social media became like the only way to connect and the only way to like, hey, this is what I've been up to while you were sitting on your ass feeling sad about the pandemic. I was booking this gig and I was being super creative and getting my life together. And I was not one of those people. So to see friends of mine, like, I booked this job and I did this gig and I kept stable and I kept my job and I stayed in rehearsals and I got really lucky. Like my job lasted through the pandemic until Bridgerton. I was just floating. 
You know what I mean? I was I was teaching a bit. I found I ended up finding a teaching job that helped create a little bit of routine and reason and purpose. But outside of that, like formats was what I was craving. It was what I was needing. It was unfortunately where I placed a lot of my worth. So to not have performance in my life and to have no foreseeable performance in my future, that was easily the hardest part of the pandemic for me. Besides all of the you know other fun stuff we were dealing with at the time, but like personally for me, that's where I was really struggling. And I know a lot of artists, we tend to compare and it's like, well, if so-and-so is doing this at this age, I should be doing this at this age and I'm not successful and I'm blah, 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 blah. And Same. I, I feel that. Right. And it's, and it's uh, universal, right? It's universal. It like you get it. Easily the hardest part of this entire process for me was the comparison and the lack of performance, which was like a lack of worth at the time. As aware of it as I am, doesn't mean I like handle it well <laughs> in the moment, you know, it's like as much as I can like speak about it and, and say it and explain it, that doesn't change the fact that even currently now that my purchasing contract is over, it's still not constantly in the back of my mind. I always call myself an extrovert, which some people kind of look down upon, some people love, it's people hate, it's just opinions. Yes. When the pandemic hit for me and you, I couldn't leave my house, definitely turned a little bit depression so I had family with me and I was lucky to have I worked I'm gonna call them out I worked at Target so I was I work in the clothing department at Target but I had a job because it was grocery and essential right. which I kept telling myself how lucky I was how lucky I was but as a as a person who's used to other people I couldn't go and sit in a in the Starbucks. And so this is so cheesy, but books really helped me through this. We all needed something to hang on to. Right. So I feel like there's obviously an end in sight, but we have to focus on ourselves also. Knowing that you know what you you feel, that's for you. It's not for you. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know I was so sad until I was like on my fifth book in a Mm -hmm. month. And I'm like, girl, something's up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it doesn't hit you until it's like that little thing that you're just like, wait a minute, let's let's do a little check in here. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So we're going to get into the juicy, fun stuff. The tea, if you will, um, mm-hmm. if that kind of goes with it. So Bridgerton, mm-hmm. let me let me start off by telling how kind of we met. I got tickets to the Queen's Ball, a Bridgerton experience uh, in Chicago with my friend. And she bought it for like a graduation gift, I think. Because like after 10 years and during the pandemic, I was like, I'm going back to college. So I graduated with my associates after 10 years of trying. That's first of all, congrats and snaps. Yes, yes, yes. It took four math classes, but it's fine. I'm over it. (laughs) But so she brought it for me as a graduation present, um, even though it was a couple months after girl I loved it so I was going into it like not seeing season one of Bridgerton seeing season two I literally was like oh Bridgerton's my life it's my personality <laughs> and so just like seeing the Elvis movie coming out recently I'm like ah oh, Elvis is down my personality um, <laughs> but no so we got to the ball we took pictures blah 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 didn't know because I didn't look into it much there was gonna be a dance sequence and like happenings and it was like so much fun and then we come into this random room what is it called like a ball not a ballroom yeah kind of like a ballroom ballroom, yeah yeah. it's a ballroom 
everyone's like, oh, stand around the checkered uh, floor. And I was like, what's happening? So my outfit was not as bougie as you've probably seen. It was like my afternoon tea dress. So what happened was it was from Nasty Gal. It was like my evening tea dress and I wore gloves and my mom was like, yeah, it'll work. And so I was like, I didn't have time to like get a puffy dress. I wore that. And then (laughs) during the dance sequence, you and your partner were dancing. You probably get this a lot. You look like Daphne. Yes. You probably did. Honestly, it was problematic. Because Martin and I, we're not supposed to look like Daphne and Simon. And yet, (laughs) everyone, everyone, it was just like, it was just always assumed that's who we were Mm -hmm. supposed to be portraying. So yeah, that was a thing. So I'm just so excited to tell this really embarrassing story. (laughs) You were dancing with, what was his stage name? Uh, Wilfred. Wilfred. We love him. He was such a, a, a good time. But you were dancing with Wilfred. Can we say his real name? Yeah, Sam. Sam. We love Sam. Okay. You were dancing. I think he pulled someone else from the audience. I don't know if it was just you. So you pulled me out from the audience. It was like in your British accent. You're like, do you want to dance? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and so I literally think like, I'm Megan. You're like, I'm Maria. And I was like, oh, God, I hate my. Why am I? In- this this lady's probably like, get off my dance floor. So I don't know how to dance. I don't know how to, you're, you're like, show me a little bit. And I'm sweating. Like, it's not the gloves. It is me. All I can remember is like, I was like, I'm so glad I'm never going to see her again. And then here we are. <laughs> right? No, and that's honestly, it's one of my favorite parts of the show. Is like, we have this one little moment where we're allowed to like, take someone from the audience and like, have like 30 second moment. But I love it because we don't get to interact with the audience like a ton, super one-on-one. And I love it every time. It does. It feels like this little, like, nice, come dance with me moment before, you know, the show fully begins. But And to be honest, it sounded like I didn't love it. I loved every single minute of it. <laughs> I was just so nervous. And I was like, a man has not even danced with me in my life, let alone this is happening. And I'm being in the middle of a dance floor with Everyone's a queen. It was actually a really good time. So, like I said, you played Maria, the main the main performer. How did you end up getting this audition? Was like a newspaper ad? You're like, that's it. That's my next step. <laughs> so, um, a lot of dance performances are just like auditions. They're listed on like specific websites that, as dancers, we have this really fun thing where we get to just kind of figure it out on our own. <laughs> um, but a lot of these websites are like well known and easy to find. Um, one of them is called Playbill, another is called Actors Access. There's a whole bunch of ones like this. But I saw this listing actually originally for the it was the DC location. So I saw it and I was like, oh, it's interesting. They were it was specifically said like DC dancers only. You know, you want local dancers. And I was like, hmm. I did a little research and I saw that Chicago was one of the cities they were coming to first. So I just kept my eye out. I was like, okay, maybe they'll have auditions for Chicago soon. And I was right. Um, I caught the audition really quick. Um, I submitted to it and that was back in February. So in February, I originally submit. I was like, hi, hey, I'm a dancer. Do you, would you like me to dance for you? That kind of situation. And after two weeks, like I had to send in a dance video, some other clips. They put me on check avail, which is basically where they're like, you kind of have the job, but we can't give you the yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just 
you're only on check avail for like a week or two. I was on check avail for about a month and it was because they were putting on like multiple of the Queens ball at once. Right. So LA was opening, DC was getting into rehearsals, Chicago, they're trying to cast Chicago while DC is in rehearsals right after LA just opened. So it was just this like really kind of complicated and, uh, just like overwhelmed process because of that they were also struggling to find dancers in Chicago um which you're probably like that's weird there's a lot of dancers in Chicago but ironically in Chicago most of the dancers here are not gig workers they're dancers that have stable consistent work so it's hard to find you know really good dancers that are just like looking for a gig you know so i was one of the first dancers they found and put on checkavail and then it took some time for them to find the other ones. Uh, so I was kind of stuck for a month waiting to hear back, waiting to find out. And I literally found out I had officially booked the gig a week before we started. My anxiety would be up here. I, well, and I'm like, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta tell my, my studio I'm teaching at that I have to leave. I'd start making plans. Like I'm living out in the suburbs. Like I need to figure out a way if I've got to move to Chicago for three months. Like what, like panic, right? Yeah. Um, and it all ended up working out, but yeah, stress. And then I find out like the week that we book it, that the dancer I'm dancing with my partner, Sam, is somebody I knew from college. So it was just even crazier. I swear this, this world is getting smaller and smaller with I me know. in here right now. So were you a fan of Bridgerton before this happened? So I, I was a book kid growing up. I was I was a book kid growing up. And then in, I'd say, high school, dance dance took over. And I didn't have the time to read anymore, unfortunately. So I was, I was a former book kid. I did not read Bridgerton. But the escapism that I used to find in books, I so lovingly have found in television. <laughs> so I definitely, I was a fan of the show. Um, I watched the first season. I enjoyed the first season. You know, I'm not, like, a super, like, romance rom-com kid. Like, I'm, that's not generally, like, my ish. But I did love, like, the drama of it all and how convoluted everything was. And, of course, you know, I'm watching the show and I'm like, but I could be one of the dancers in the background. Like, you know yep. what I mean? Yeah. Of course. Like, that's always a draw for me. Um, and the costumes, of course. You know, it's like, who doesn't want to feel fancy, right? So, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I had watched the first season. I had enjoyed the first season. I was looking forward to the next one. And so to book this gig, I was like, well, okay, all right. I guess this is my thing right now. I got to say, like, this is, like, going to be a statement that I, I guess is true. But how does it feel to be booked by Netflix? I, <laughs> it's one of those funny things that, if you had told me at the beginning of the pandemic, right, when I thought I was never going to book anything ever again, that your first gig back was going to be a Netflix gig, I would have been like, mm, really? But here we are. Now, in reality, like, the amount that I interacted with, like, Netflix officials was very minimal. Um, it was still really cool. It still feels really good to, like, be able to put Netflix on my resume and to be like, hi, yes, badong. That is really, really cool. And I'm hoping, you know, it hasn't been the case yet. It's only been a couple of weeks, but I'm hoping that'll be helpful in the future, booking new things. And I mean, who knows, right? I guess I should stay open-minded, but it was, it was really special. It was really cool. 
I have a lot of things like wish were different, but the Netflix part of it, A+. Plus. I really wanted to ask this. So, you know how, like, you took some people uh, during the crowd to dance with? Did yeah. anybody turn you down? <laughs> okay, so, ironically, it almost never happened, but there was... I know, right? You would think it'd be more often people would be like, eh. well, especially because you don't know what we're pulling you on for. You're like, is this mm-hmm. like a big deal? Am I going to be out here for a really long time? Am I going to be pulled into the story, right? It makes sense that you would be hesitant. Yeah. Um, but there was, so I was shocked it didn't happen more often. Um, but I would generally like, you know, it's like you can kind of read the room as you walk up to them. Like, okay, who's who's most likely? Who, who looks eager, you know? Who looks like ready to be a part of this process? But there was one time earlier in in the the run that I walked up to this girl who flat out like pulled like physically pulled herself away from me oh no was like no thank you and of course that like you're you makes you a little anxious you're like oh no problem no problem like that's okay (laughs) and I turned to the girl next to her and she does the exact same (gasps) thing and I'm just like oh no it's like that was a little panic because I only have a certain amount of time, right? The music's yeah. going. I can't we can't pause the show. So luckily another woman who was like standing like kind of in a separate, like just a little bit separate from them was like, I'll dance with you. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> just like sheer relief. But it was it really it stuck with me because they literally like physically just completely pulled themselves away from me. And it was not one, but like it was a domino saying yes. no. And I was no, like, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. God. And so, I, yeah, I got lucky that a woman saw the panic and, you know, came to my rescue. But, yep, yeah, that happened. Okay, that happened. so that was my, that was my, like, give me the tea. Like, did anybody turn you down? Yes, yes. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. I did get I the tea out of that one. Yeah. You have to read the room. And that that's, some people can't read that vibe. And good for you for doing that. <laughs> she tried. This is really clever of me. So I have a random section that I always have uh, for other people, and I name them funny. This one's not as funny, but I think it's actually it actually is funny. I'm trying to like calm down and not laugh. So this this one doesn't even make sense um, for you, but it's I'm here for it. God, here we go. The sky, the water, and the air. <laughs> oh my god. And the air she. <laughs> I. Everyone, wherever you are, round of applause. Thank I'm you. Okay. So the first section of the random questions, mm-hmm. what is your favorite vacation spot you've been to this year? Oh, this year? Mm-hmm. Um, ooh. Well, I did. I was just in Florida in like uh, Florida, but there's a lot of happy things in there. That was fun. Um, but I'd say my number one location I got to go to was Phoenix, which is mm. weird, but my friend got married and it was really lovely. And like, okay. she did it out in the desert with the sunset. And it was like one of those weddings where like not a single thing went wrong. And after the amount of weddings I have been in this year to have just like that, it was quite lovely. We kind of talked about this, but you have to choose not TV. So books or movies, which one would you rather do? At this point in my life, movies. Yeah. There was, there was a very long stint in my childhood that would have been like books, 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 books. So. Correct. Who knows? Maybe the next 10 years will be books again. 
I read The Duke and I recently, which is the first kind of season yeah. of Bridgerton. Yeah. I read that. I still haven't seen it because I don't even – I okay, the problem with me is I'll watch an episode, love it, and then I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to the bathroom, and I never go back to it. <laughs> Literally, I close my laptop. Do you know Do you know the summer I turned pretty? Have you heard that on Amazon Prime? I am like episode five out of seven, and I'm like, oh, yeah, pumping this up. And then I haven't read the book yet, but I pumped this up, and it's so good. I'm like, I'm team whoever. And then I turn it off because I'm tired, and I have not finished it. <laughs> so you're like, either it happens all at once, mm-hmm. or never going back. So Bridgerton season two was all at once before I went to work. I did an overnight shift. And so I started oh. in the morning, and my mom was like, I can't stop watching. I was like, me too, keep going. And so <laughs> then I went to overnight shift at 11 p.m., and I, was, I watched the last episode at no one was around and I watched that episode of work and I was like, I'm into it. Everything else. I'm like, Ugh, I can't. What is the best dance performance to see for a first timer? And I said, is the nutcracker too advanced? <laughs> oh, that's ballet. That's ballet. But <laughs> no, listen, the nutcracker, if you have never been to a dance show, go to the nutcracker with the knowledge that you will be confused the entire time. In there. The Nutcracker is a convoluted story from a time not like ours, and the way it's generally told, like, and done nowadays, it's like you go, either because you go every year and you feel like you have to, or because you have a kid in the show. Okay, yep. You know what, yep. I, mean? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, please, go buy tickets to the Nutcrackers at your local theaters. Yeah, I was fourth grade. I was fourth grade. What happened? I don't know what happened because I was taken with the with the field trip, and I don't know what I saw. And you wouldn't because the, it's one of the it is one of the strangest ballets ever written. And when it was originally produced, it was a failure. Really? Yes. Yes. Ooh. When it was originally created back in I think it was like Russia, back in the I don't know early 1900s. Yeah. Complete failure. You know, of course it's like quintessential now. Give me a better show. I would honestly, if you're not a theater person, and that's the thing, like I would say go see like one of the more popular theater things out right now. So like Hamilton or like Illegally Blonde or something that is like kitschy, poppy, keeps your interest, you know, it's it's current. But if you're not going to do anything like that, if, if you're not like a theater person, but you'd still like to go see some kind of a show, like I would start in a more theater realm still, like it's a lot of concert dance. It's it's built not always for the audience. So I would go for something that's commercial, something that's built for the audience. Start there. Something that's yeah. built for your entertainment before you start heading into the stuff that's not built for your entertainment. Something that's built for the art of it. Have you seen Six, the musical? I have not. Girl. They came to Bridgerton in Chicago. Like, the touring cast came and watched us. Oh, my God. It was our last show. And one of the girls was actually our last diamond. (gasps) Isn't that crazy? I know. And we didn't know until afterwards. And I was like, cool, great. So, like, some of, like, the most talented people in the (laughs) room were, like, not the performers. Okay, so I, I haven't seen musicals since, I, like, Lion King when I was, like, in third grade, like, I swear to God. Amazing. And so, as an adult, had no idea what I was going into. So, I listened to the soundtrack. I was like, this is bumping. I love it. Yes. So, I went to Chicago with my mother. Love her. And so, we were downtown. We're like, where are we? And so, uh-huh. 
we got through the theater. It was, like, packed. And we got balcony seats, which were stupid because I could barely see the stage. So don't get balcony seats on Sticks the Musical. But I saw what I wanted to see pretty much. Fantastic. Yeah. Yelp review, 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10. But that's so cool they came to see you. Yeah. And they and it was just, like, one of those things that, I don't know, it's, like, at the time, you're just, like, thinking about performing, and then afterwards, mm-hmm. you're like, hey, did you know that the entire cast of the Sixth National Tour was at your show tonight? And you're just like, oh, oh that's cool. Cool. <laughs> Con- congrats to me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that so freaking awesome. Of course. I don't even, are they still even in Chicago performing? Anyways, it's one of those shows that is just, it kicks butt. So next time they come, if they come, I'll give you a ticket and we'll go together. Perfect. That um, I want to see it again. Okay, last question. Yes. Would you rather live in Chicago or New York City? Oh, that has that's like a existential question for me right now. Okay, because so. I knew you went to New York. I saw those. Yes. Yeah. So <sighs> New York was always like, I'm going to live in New York one day. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the kid that moved to New York and was successful. But the reality of the situation is that New York is hella expensive, hella competitive, and hella just like a lot to handle. So realistically, like if I got a job offer in New York, would I move there in a heartbeat? Yes. Am I willing to move to New York and work a side gig to pay for my life in New York so that I could attend auditions half alive and half awake? And at the that's the that's the thing. Mm. Is that, you know, it's a lot of people move to New York, get that side job, you know, working anywhere the reality of the situation is that that job becomes their life and they're not, they don't have enough, you know, energy to go to the auditions. They don't have enough energy to go to class. You know, that stuff's expensive. And that's the big fear is I I would hate to be one of those people that moved there and was like one of those situations. So right now I love Chicago because Chicago is manageable. My family's here, so it's much more affordable, but I would be in New York in a heartbeat if it was for work. I'm going back to, to get my bachelor's this August and I'm like wow um congrats to me because like I don't know what I'm doing don't know what I'm doing so I'm going for journalism for major and then minor English I am like I want to work in book publishing I want to write something like editing wise whatever and then all I can think of is like oh no all those jobs are in New York I'm just like I'm like torn I'm like I have to get to that level where I'm like I can work from home correct I visited New York I think last year it was just not not Megan. Yeah. And I think it's a great place. It can be a great place, a fun place, whatever. I don't think I could work there. I think Chicago is, you're right, the the word manageable is real good. Yeah. You said something you have to think about, you know? Yeah, well, and, like, growing up in near Chicago helps it make it even more manageable than it already would be. But, yeah, whatever, I hadn't visited New York until I was just back there for my recent auditions. And while I felt comfortable and like okay like I could do New York I was like but I couldn't do the hustle in New York mm-hmm. I can't be that I I know the kind of person I am I know how I work I know what motivates me I would be one of those people that was just completely lost if I were to do that and kind of like submit myself to that lifestyle so at least there's that answer do I wish I was one of those people that could like grind to make it work sure but you know I know myself and I I know that even though I have a million people that are like, just move there, just move there, just move there. I'm like, yeah, but what, what, how, when, Mm -hmm. you know? You're looking at the reality. Yeah. Right. 
I got to take a book from you from how to not dream too big at first because I went to, I went to college in 2012. Oh God. Okay. And so my first time at college and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a graphic designer and I'm going to work at a website in the UK and they're going to notice me. And Oh my God, I mean, girl, no, nothing happened with that. I learned I was bad at graphic design. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I dropped out, but I need to learn how to make goals that I can achieve. That's hard. I think that's something, a skill set that people need to learn. Well, and the reality is that a lot of people don't need to do that. They get lucky. They're privileged. They can, that's my goal. And I'm going to, it's just going to happen for me. But like the reality is, is I'm not one of those people. Mm-hmm. I'm fully aware. I'm not one of those people. I don't have this like intrinsic luck. And while yes, I'm privileged, I'm not privileged in that aspect. I always ask this, but no one ever gives me feedback. Do you have anything for me? Like questions? Yeah, go shoot. I don't care. If you have anything, if you don't, DM them to me. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I feel like my biggest question for you is, I know you want to head to journalism now. If you had to break it down, if you had to make a small goal, even if it's like a lifestyle choice right now, what would it be? I love this. You should do like a master class and like little goals. Okay, at first, I was like, I'm going to be a fashion journalist. Not feeling it after a while, because I didn't enjoy writing about fashion like I thought. So I was like, okay, what do I like? And so what I'm open to when I go back. Yeah, yeah, God, I know. Um, Because then I was like, I like book publishing. Because I'm good at English, which editing and all that stuff. So I'm an author. But they're self-published, so I was like, maybe I can do something with that, but why do I need a degree? So right now, I'm questioning. But as a lifestyle, small goal, I think I'm already pursuing going back to college. Yes. Not just for the degree and the career, and it is for myself. I think that's my small goal. And my mom keeps saying, she's like, you know you're going back to college. I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot. I guess I'm not going to vacation. <laughs> but I have my Juicy Couture backpack and Polly Pocket lunchbox, and I'm I'm dead um, serious. Amazing. So. I always say I'm, I'm lucky that I always knew what I loved because it's not, it's not that case for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I commend you for pushing forward and pursuing that more and, I don't know, trusting the process. Trauma best girl. We're here. Yep. We out here. Thank you so much, Erzy, for being on Megan's Bookish Life. Ah! I had a wonderful time. This is like the best discussion ever. Oh, I had a good time too. I will talk to you later. Come on anytime. You're always invited. I'll see you when we go to uh, Fix the Musical. How about that? Fine, I'll be there. You got me into it. Okay, perfect. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to Megan's Bookish Life, a podcast where literary meets lifestyle. Don't forget to subscribe and follow me on Instagram at Megan's Bookish Life Podcast.